Footy Prime the Podcast is brought to you by Tony Bet, official sponsor of the CPL and presenting sponsor of Canada's unofficial voice of footy. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Oi. The boys and girls on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language. And sometimes the tales can get quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. Oh, let's go! Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. You know that we are the number one show. So grab your fucking mitts and now it's time to go. Cause it's the booty, booty. It's time to get this party started. It's the booty, booty. It's time to get this party started. With Danny, Jimmy, Greg, and Andy, Jimmy, JC. All we know and all we talk about is booty, booty. It's time to get this party started tonight. You're listening to Footy Prime, the broadcast. A broad perspective of all things footy. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Yeah, I thought you'd wandered off. Found a new room with art in it. I know, so fancy. Yeah, that's yeah. Fun. as good as it got. I got a. I like thing. art. I said that Rian with the big screen behind her, you like should just have your face on the big screen. Yeah, but that might not be the best audio quality, but it would be very funny, especially since it's an audio medium, right? Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> So you guys good? I just asked asked Rian if this week has been take your friend to work week. Just wandering yeah. around following her. Yeah, pretty she's gone to the ROM twice and not gone to the past the lobby, but gone to the ROM? Royal yeah. Ontario Museum. No, yeah. excuse me. Excuse me. There was never enough time. I felt like I wasn't going to do it justice, but today I got a ticket. I only had an hour again, mm-hmm. but I got permission to come back. You got permission, like you have to pass like some sort of litmus test? I, I did. I had a written exam. Actually, they let everyone do it, but I just made sure I could. <laughs> as long as it's not a pelvic exam. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and do they show any rom-coms? Oh, okay. You know, reacting to you and what you're saying, I just look at Dee, she's tweeting. I know, Dee's not even paying attention. This is basically, though, <laughs> our dynamic throughout our time with yeah, the national you team. I wait for or- you to step up. Yeah, or it was like me and D, and then you were reading or knitting. I feel like or I was usually the one ignoring just vanishing. you. Just really, yeah. Where, where did Rian was just? I she's just she's here. gone. She's no, gone. she's not here. Kaiser so safe. Gone. Kaiser so usual suspect. Look how look how professional our friend looks. Look at D. No one can see. I'm her. Not wow. new. They have a slight mm. description because we're aging. Are they rose? You're aging. <laughs> now <laughs> well they look lovely they suit you thanks oh, awesome so this is this is footy prime the broadcast and we've got rian wilkinson here i'm amy walsh and we've got diana matheson yay d hi friend hi how are you oh pretty good pretty good you yeah i'm good me and Rian were talking yesterday a little bit about the bachelorette so we, we dove into just a little bit of, of the puzzling and the Matheson angle and how we stayed peripheral to all that and let you guys really dig in. But um, I thought you might explain, because I actually didn't publish this picture, but there was a lovely picture of the three of us, plus Aaron McLeod and Robin Gale. And we were all in, you know, kind of nice, casual streetwear, regular clothes, and you were in a full Star Trek outfit. So <laughs> care to explain? <laughs> Yeah, I feel like everyone needs to agree to not put that photo out. Oh, I yeah, I didn't put it out there. No, it, well, I, I think you're not being totally, uh, gen, you know, honest there. It was a costume oh. party. It was a murder mystery. This is true. You all it makes you look terrible. You all had costumes, and it just happened to be that, you know, when you took off your 
glasses and hat and Robin took off her wig that everyone ended up just looking totally normal except for <laughs> me in my full red Star Trek uniform. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, I, yeah, I, I think that was going to bite me in the ass for sure. Yeah, well, I, I appreciated how invested you were in the character. You really made that character come I, You're making it sound like I went out and picked this outfit. <laughs> Obviously, you had like organized the whole thing, provided the outfit for me to wear. I did not choose it. Oh, but D, now, I mean, you're, let's be clear. D, if you give her like a line from any Star Trek episode, she can tell you which mm. one it is and what happened in it. And it's a party trick. So don't pretend you're not fully in. Is it Star Trek or is it Star Trek SG-1 or what is it? The one that you guys... Oh my God, you've lost me. Wrong, you're mixing shit. I can talk about Star Wars. No? No, no, you're wrong. Original trilogy versus... as a Voyager character, for the record. You're, so it's the Voyager show that you know everything about. No, more Next Generation, to be honest. Oh, so like, sorry. if I had my preference, it would have been Geordi LaForge, but it wasn't. Oh Who's that? Is that the Reading Rainbow guy? <laughs> <laughs> take a look it's in a book a reading rainbow remember lavar the best i know lavar from reading rainbow not from star trek nice but try. Before we move, i know before we move off star trek though like it was a shame you couldn't find any star trek props like around the matheson household though to use with your costume d yeah, it turns out I had, um, I think it was mostly me. I could b- blame my brother and sister, but we did have a number of like old Star Trek toys, eh? Like we had the shuttlecraft, had the phaser, had the tricorder. I'm uh, sorry, the what now? Just let her go. Just don't, just don't yeah, no, it's like pretty great. The tricorder? I tried to pay for bread at a bakery with that the other day. It didn't work. They didn't accept it. Oh, boy. <laughs> There's no money in Star Trek. Oh, bartering only? Unless you're Ferengi. Yeah, anyway, we've, lo- we've lost all the, all the listeners. Oh, no. Did you just say unless you're Ferengi? Did you just? Oh. Just move on, Amy. This is for a whole crossover. This is for the soccer. No, I know. Last Star Trek fans out there. And those three like people fans. are so impressed. I know. There's like a Venn diagram of like women's <laughs> soccer, Star Trek. Like mm-hmm. there's, I don't know. Shout out to those two people. Matheson's. Right. Yeah, Stuart. Diana, <laughs> Catherine. My mom. Yeah, but I, I, I just wanted to note before we move off of The Bachelorette, everybody had a very elaborate backstory, and your sister did an outstanding job putting everything she together. She was amazing. But um, it was very funny. I think because this was a, a late edition, wasn't sure whether my character was going to be making an appearance, like 100% committed. Every Like, Re and your character had, like, a paragraph backstory and details, um, childhood. Everyone else had, like, the same amount of detail, and mine was gnome away from home, unemployed. <laughs> So I feel like my costume, which was Dollarama party hat and sunglasses, it sort of matched the amount of detail that I had for my character. Yeah, and the effort you invested. <laughs> That's true. It was minimal. <laughs> it was. But it was, but it was a lovely time. Yeah, it was. Great it was a great. Everybody. Your sister did an amazing job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was talking to Dee about how great it was to see you guys. Not only that one day, but two days in a row. Which is very cool. And seeing Erin so quickly, that was nice. Mm-hmm. Was and actually, she, it was just her last day on the on the broadcast with TSN before she yeah. goes back to Iceland. What a day to wrap it up on. Holy <laughs> moly. Did you guys want to touch on that just a little How bit? How about that there? for a segue? You're Great. welcome. That was tremendous, <laughs> Diana Matheson. Yeah. How fun was that? I was watching it, and I was just... I, this try and make a prediction this tournament it's impossible it's amazing like did you guys even do a bracket for the tournament i did one just for fun but it's fucked like it's there's like yeah doesn't resemble the round of 16 teams at all Maybe i had morocco as a dark horse which makes oh. me look great but i also had germany winning it <laughs> oh yeah that's a shame did you guys see um alexandra pop um, with the player of the match trophy and just like a complete, it was like the emoticon with the straight mouth. Like that, that's gotta be slightly they weren't conflicting even... emotions there, right? Player of the match and you're out for the first time in your country's history in a group stage. They couldn't even comprehend. That hasn't sunk in yet. They've, no. they've, yeah. Well, after the game, like it wasn't sadness, anger. It was just like shock on their faces. Yeah. But, like, that's the beauty of the match day threes, right? Like, these, the, the two games, the two final group games running concurrently and, and all of the, the chaos that can ensue. 
and yeah. the elation of, of Morocco. Did you yeah. see them huddling around the phone, watching the end of like yeah. 15 minutes of, of stoppage time? I love that. So three yeah. African countries. Three African countries. It's so, so good for the game. I mean, it's obviously, as Canadians, we've got our upset that we've... Did we lose Rian? She just muted herself. <laughs> what have you done? Take off your headphones. <laughs> Gonna have to fix this. She's gone. All yeah. gone. We're yeah, oh, no. she's muted. Oh, she's it might be your headphones, right? Yeah, take off your headphones. Are you waiting for me to send you a signal via your headphones? Because can't hear you. And now you're muted. I didn't press any. Yay! You muted me. Like it was done with me speaking. So fine. Move on. <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, before we moved off of, um, moved on to World Cup stuff and maybe Canada and do your take on it. Um, Rian and I were talking a little bit about the allocation and how Canada and Mexico and the U.S. did that from 2015 to um, 2021. And was that truly a meaningful investment by Canada soccer? I mean, it, it certainly was something, but not anything that's going to resemble Project Aid. So we'll dive into that for a second. But um, Re talked a little bit about her situation when she was in Boston, first of all. So I wondered if you might talk a little bit about you and, and Robbie's and where you guys were when you were in Washington. Yes. Yeah. Robin and Robin Gale and I were allocated to DC. Um, I actually quite like how that allocate allocation system worked originally, how we, you know, wrote three teams we'd want to go to when we didn't. And then they tried to pair. Dear Washington. <laughs> so we ended up in DC well, an hour north of DC and Maryland. Um, and we were, I can remember we were at the Cyprus cup and we were getting information about where we would be living. And they used to do, a lot of host families back then to give players housing. And Robin and I had said, we're too old for that. Please don't put us with a host family. So they said, no problem. We found this great solution. It's a win-win for everyone. We based it off. We saw uh, like a minor league team in Ohio did this a couple years ago. You're going to live in a retirement home. And um, <laughs> we thought it was a joke. Um, and we're like, be serious. Come back with us come back with something real but then we started looking into it and it was um ingleside luxury retirement home we were living in a 1400 square foot apartment with two giant master bedrooms like everything was wheelchair accessible so the bathrooms the walk-in closets were all massive like prime for recovery post games and practices right massive. we had a like a great den with a fireplace we had a room that was just like all lamps like there's just a lot of lighting in the place. <laughs> um, and downstairs there was like three dining options they gave us like a meal plan at the cafeteria and the restaurant and we had a we had a great time that year and we had a like we'd, we'd get a bus, a small bus that would come uh, to games and we'd get like a dozen folks from Ingleside coming out to watch the games, even at like 7 p.m. on a weekday. And we we made friends and like it was it was like high school in a lot of ways. Like there were different cliques. There was like the artsy crowd. There's the sportsy crowd, sportsy. Um, did it, did then, it get a bit nasty? Was there some like some infighting? Yeah, they like were like the knitters against like the bingo players and oh no, the real pecking order was determined by bridge. And the better oh. you were at bridge, the more like up here you were. So did you and Robbie and to, for everybody listening, it's Robin Gale, longtime national team player, and also worked for a long time with both the men's and women's programs until recently. Um, did you guys get into bridge? Did you know bridge or did you have I, to really get in there as, as like you got yeah, a lesson? Was, um, yep. A guy named Norm uh, gave bridge lessons at lunch on Wednesdays. So we signed up. <laughs> we always like uh, the Mathesons grew up playing cards. So I thought, you know, I like did, cards. Yeah. I'll get it. The, the rules to bridge are hard. And there's two like there's a whole game that's just the the betting and the bidding. And then there's the gameplay. So we we never really got good enough to to play. Yeah, I don't know bridge. I remember you used to see like in like the newspaper, like near the crosswords, like bridge yeah. would just be like, no, I, we played cribbage, we played crazy eights, we played lots of cards too, like up at the cottage, all the, all the classics, asshole, you know, <laughs> but going back to the retirement home, did you, so you had a bus included or like you were, would like 
travel you around, but did you get a rascal? No, no, no. The, the, the other residents would take a bus to the game. Oh, I see. You guys didn't get something that would just tool you around the neighborhood. <laughs> we, we had cars. And honestly, okay, I, I'm, Ingleside was fantastic. I would love to go back and visit folks, but the parking garage was a nightmare. Like, you would be really careful down there. <laughs> so many of those little rascals. <laughs> there was, yeah. I went to All visit them, going on down there. and their closets were so big that that was the guest room because they didn't have enough clothes to put in these huge walk-in. So closets. that's where you stayed? I stayed in the closet. Did you, were you in a closet? Yeah. And then it flooded <laughs> when I was there. I don't remember that. There's a massive flood. Um, oh, but also like I went, 10 years ago. I don't, I don't remember. I went that. to the gym because I was, I was playing, I was just visiting you from my team in Boston and um, it was just all bands. And like, <laughs> yeah, no, there was no squat racks at the gym in Ingleside. Yeah. <laughs> it was all glass, so people would just come by because it was it was a retirement community with Robin and Dee living in it, and then their friend mm-hmm. that was visiting, like using the gym and the facility. And then you're, you kind of just skipped over the cafeteria where you were eating with your pals there. <laughs> did you did you have anybody though, like out of the residents that saw you like lifting and going hard in the gym and you were a bit of a spectacle and somebody was like, oh, I can do that. In my day, I could lift like 95 pounds like that. The Seinfeld was like Mandel bomb, Mandel bomb. And they're trying to like outlift. Yeah. They did not have a 95 pound weight in that gym. Hmm. No, we didn't. Robin and I didn't use the gym much there. We had another gym we went to. We did use the pool a lot for recovery. And then sometimes hmm. there'd be like a water aquatics class going on at the same time. We would be, people would blame us for stuff though. Like anytime there was loud music, the place after 730 was like, quiet no one was oh home. yeah so what time did you have to have supper it was like 4 30 right well, you, you know you'd make an earlier dinner date but if there was any music loud music after 8 30 p.m they'd blame robin and i right we it were was like, robin. like it was not us <laughs> and just not the usual suspects that you blame the loud music on and you and robin either <laughs> but of course it was the youngins yeah <laughs> But but anyway, I thought you, D, are in the perfect position to talk about because you talked about how you, you love that allocation system, the way it was set up for players. But I think it's framed now as Canada soccer doing enough post that 2015 World Cup that Canada hosted in order to develop the women's game. So how do you think now with Project 8 coming in 2025, how you guys are positioned to really inject the, the support and the infrastructure and the investment in the women's game so that we can do better next time at a World Cup. We can really deepen that player pool in Canada. Yeah, I think the, um, I think the allocation system and Canada soccer funding the salaries of the Canadians those first few years in the NWSL, I think it moved the needle. Like I was a player who had been playing in Norway with Re for years. I'd been trying to get into the U.S. market, and Canadians weren't cool. I kept getting passed over for a Japanese player once, a Brazilian player another time. And it was that allocation system that allowed me and about 10 other Canadians to actually crack into the U.S. market, which we hadn't really been able to do before. So I think that was really, really helpful. I think it just didn't have... It didn't have a what's next to that plan. So I think it made the difference it needed to at the time. But then it became clear after three, four years, that wasn't the best system to determine our salaries in the U.S. And then there wasn't really a next thing that that money went towards, unfortunately, and then kind of just left a gap. So, yeah, I mean, Project 8 is what's next when it comes to pro soccer in Canada, obviously. Um yeah. What, what was your question? <laughs> I guess just how Project 8 has a solution in mind and, and a sort of long term and like a, an end game or something on the horizon for women's soccer versus a band-aid solution, which is maybe, I guess, how you could look at that allocation system. Can I also yeah. say Dee's right, like those allocations helped us get into the U.S. system, but those are also the players that were already playing. They weren't playing in the U.S., but they were already on professional contracts. It wasn't adding to the player pool. It was... Mm -hmm. Or giving opportunities to players who didn't have them before. It wasn't doing that exactly. It was actually giving a different opportunity, which I'm saying was also important, but it wasn't actually broadening the player pool. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Broadening. So good when you can throw that (laughs) word in in the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I think... think both those things, the size and scope of what a league can impact for 
players for inspiring fans and more markets. You know, we've talked about all this, the referees, the coaching, everything to do with the professional sport industry for women and the media side and sponsorship and creating this whole ecosystem for women's professional sport in Canada. Like the, the scope of a league is absolutely what we need. And you said it, this is, this is long-term, like this is the start. Our job right now is to make sure we get in as much investment into it as possible from the beginning, because we know the timing is right to do that. This, you know, three years ago, even this would have been tough, but right now with the support of corporate Canada fans, how fast the women's game is growing, we've got an opportunity right now to get as much money into the thing from the beginning, because you, you've seen the folks that have done that. It goes like this. Like if we put in this much money, it's going to do that. If we put in this much money, uh, it's growing that much faster. So, and in Canada, we're such an interesting market. Like there's only so many revenue streams for us. Our media market is tough here. Like our media market's not paying huge rights fees to anyone. And that's really what funds a lot of global football. So we're back to corporate sponsorship is huge for us. Unfortunately for us, we already know Canadian Tire, Air Canada, uh, DoorDash and CIBC have stepped up and the response has been incredible. And then team owners are putting in the investment in this country because it's been it's been tough to invest in women's soccer in Canada in the last few years. We know, you know, there's a complicated situation going on with Canada soccer and the CSB deal, which actually makes it really hard to put money directly into the women's national team. Mm -hmm. And then where else do you put it besides that? So I think one thing Project Aid in the league does that's as important as anything is it's a place for people that believe in women's soccer and its potential to invest, period, uh, okay. with the league and, and teams. And we just getting started because, you know, guess what? In five, 10 years, there are going to be media rights and then and the women's transfer market is growing. So we're, we're betting uh, as many chips as we can on all the future revenue streams and just getting started. Yeah, I like chips. That was something you provided at your barbecue on Sunday. I very much enjoyed. I was starved of, of salt and chips. But Rian said something really interesting in our, our broadcast yesterday and with Canada crashing out in the group stage. Um, and she said, the people who already understand are already on board is the people that are teetering on the edge that are saying, why would we invest in this? And that's my fear. And I thought it was something that never really occurred to me because I'm one of those people who's, who's bought in. I see the, I see the upside. I see that we need it. We're desperate for it. Um, and it should have been years ago and it's not been, but finally now we have a Diana Matheson that's, that's doing it. So what do you, do you, do you have like a comment or a reaction to that? Like, yeah. what do you, where do you think we go with, with sort of not the detractors necessarily, but maybe just for people where it's not on the radar. Yeah, I think I probably would have answered this maybe differently a few months ago. I think right now where I'm at with it is it, it to me, it's going back to you can't be what you can't see. And like we all didn't grow up with role models. Marta had those comments at the end of her last game about, you know, how was I supposed to know to do this thing? I didn't see it. And that's changed. Um, and I think that's true as well for women's professional soccer and we don't have women's professional sport in Canada. So many, many people don't see it. They haven't spent the last two years researching the industry. Very few people have. Um, so they like, of course they don't know it's such a great opportunity and, and what the business model or case really is. Cause we don't see it here. And it's been interesting, especially in the last few months, a lot of the inbound leads we're getting for to buy franchises are international leads. And it's places like Europe, uh, the UK, in Europe too. I'm aware of that. Um, Mexico. <laughs> Geography Australia. quiz following this answer. Yeah, like we're, getting, we're getting interest from countries where the women's game has been growing rapidly the last few years because they're seeing it and they're like, well, obviously. And then they're looking at Canada and what a great opportunity is and a chance to buy. So we're actually getting more international interest right now than Canadian interest, which makes sense that, yeah, to your point, a lot of Canadians don't get it yet because they haven't seen it yet. That's I think that's such a great point, Dee, because 
you, it feels like we're late. We are late. Why aren't, why isn't this happening? And we have to give kudos to you. Like this is a former player who we've been listening for years. We need a women's league. Someone start the women's league, everyone promising it, no one doing it. And finally D getting annoyed enough to be like, well, I guess I've got to do it. Um, we're late to the table, but we can't wait any longer. The game is blowing up across the world. The women's game's not going anywhere. It's a huge leap in some ways, especially for the Canadian mar- the Canadian market, especially for the people that are going to invest in it because they haven't seen it firsthand yet. But it's it's only going to grow, um, which really excites me. And something Dee said, I remember when it first launched, I was listening to you on a radio show and there's there's obviously the corporate dollars that are needed and the ownership dollars it needs to be invested in and as you said like the more money that's invested the the greater this can take off but i loved what you said also about just the fans of the game but also those that aren't sure yet just retweeting just following project date just um listening to to learning and knowing more about it all that is supporting it as well because I don't own a corporation. I'd love to put a lot of money into this and back it properly. But um, all you can do sometimes is to make sure that you're following the right people. And that helps get corporate dollars because it shows that there's support. So there's things to do for everyone, whether you've got the money. And we, I'm sure Dee would, would love to take that and uh, and run with it. Or if it's just to, to follow the Project 8, to follow Diana and, and the, the wonderful people working for her. I think that that's that's important as well. Yeah, it really is. Go go ahead, Dee. I was going to say, I think there's a there's an interesting um, dichotomy, which I think we're trying to be better at communicating, both that we're behind. Like, come on, Canada, let's get our act together. Some of these leagues have been around since the 70s. Like, NWSL, NWSL is over 10 years old. We're a global women's soccer power. We got to get going. And then on the other side of that, you can still grow really quickly and catch up really quickly, especially right now. I looked at I looked at um, Mexico as a great example. Decided to get serious about this women's pro soccer thing in 2017. Uh, for them, absolutely partnered fully with their men's league. You know, much much older men's league mandated to get women's teams. Got the investment in. Got the TV deal off the bat. Made sure fans could see it. Are now doing so well in attendance and viewership that leagues flying really only five years ago, you know, pretty quickly. Same with England. People look at the Women's Super League right now as the shining example of, of women's football. They only fully professionalized in 2018. That deal with BBC and Sky Sports that was the catalyst, again, broadcast numbers for them, men's football money and broadcast um, and sponsorship, their revenue streams there, which is where the investment comes from. That deal was 2020, 2021. Like that is new. And then you see, you know, viewership go because the things on TV. So we're we're so behind, but we're not so behind where if we come in again, get it right, get the corporate dollars in, make sure Canadians can see it like it's we're going to do that in five years and we're going to be growing. And it is very much like it's an active thing where a few people can make a big difference. And I think. Our job, aside from investment, is to give Canadians um, as many ways as possible just to engage with this league and be a part of building it and buy a hat and retweet a thing or buy a team and tell your friends and like all the best parts about sport, you know, and creating good environments in, in our communities and all those things. I love that was one sentence. Buy a hat. Buy a hat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We have hats. Buy a hat. (laughs) We have hats. We're not making merch yet. Sorry. But uh, but once you do, like those, like all that merch is going to sell like hotcakes. Like people are going to be all over that. But those things that you mentioned. If anyone wants to pre, if we pre, if yeah, I don't know. If we get a couple hundred people that want to pre-order a hat, maybe we'll make some hats. But other than that, it here first. We'll probably wait until we have a league name and then make hats. Yes. Everybody's probably really excited to see what that's going to be. But I just wanted to, to sort of wrap up that point. So those two leagues that you mentioned, the Liga MX and then also the Women's Super League, they're still, despite all the investment and despite the exponential growth, there's still been growing pains. And like you even see it in the WSL, um, Deanne Rose's team, Reading, they go to, they get relegated and they go to like a sort of a, not a semi-professional setup, but you know, they lose 13 players because they can't, they don't have enough money really to, to keep it running the way that they could when they were getting that 
influx of, of money from the, the broadcasting deal when they were in the WSL. But I think you're already, despite those hurdles that you're going to face and those growing pains, I think you're seeing the immediate payoff of, of such a league and the visibility and the representation and all the eyeballs on it, um, but the opportunities for playing and how that influences and affects the national teams. So I think, again, people are talking about Project 8 and like, well, it, it's, it's not, you're, the impact of it is not going to be felt for a generation. Like, I don't, I don't think that's true. I think that you... For, for perhaps player development and the pipeline, maybe that's true, but I think there could be an almost immediate impact in the way that it influences for the good um, our own national team. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think the impact the league will have will grow substantially over time, and especially in getting national team players out of more markets across Canada than we currently get them out of. I think that'll be a big impact. We'll get more players wide in the national team pool. I think immediate impacts for sure. Like we're, we get a lot of emails and and other communications coming in that are, you know, young kids are now deciding to stay in soccer because this is here. Young kids are now dreaming about being a pro player. That wasn't on the radar before. More Canadians choosing to, to pursue pro contracts this year abroad so they're ready for the pro league so people are making choices now based on the idea that this league is coming so that's been a pretty cool thing to see that it's already had that impact plus the the kids we have in canada right now teenagers that if there was this pro league a lot of them green will say how many better than me you know are good enough already where they could be playing a training day in and day out in a professional environment um yeah, and getting more Canadians minutes too. Like there's a lot of Canadians playing abroad, but all of them are getting minutes and mm-hmm. starts and we can give those folks a... Which was an issue with this team, like not only injuries, but just players with lack of club form because they were either weren't given an opportunity or, um, you know, they were struggling with sort of niggling injuries throughout that, that club season and didn't bring that into the national team camp. Yeah. I think something as well, the Mexican league, great numbers, great revenue for that. Hasn't directly translated to their senior team yet, but I worked in the youth game for a while and our Mex- the Mexican youth teams are have the for the last few years been very dominant in CONCACAF. They've been fantastic. And I do think long-term that is going to help support a much stronger senior team for Mexico. And then you, you look at England and the success of, of their league there. And I'm someone who... My parents um, took a sabbatical to England when I was in, you know, eight, nine, ten, and I was not allowed to participate in gym class because I was a female. And we're talking about 90s here Um, and how that league is just going to continue to grow as more and more young girls are given opportunities to play soccer, which was before very much male dominated. And there was sort of netball and field hockey for girls. So that is just going to continue to grow. So those are those are just those landscapes for those countries were Canada. So this this league, what Dee was talking about, there's the immediate impact. It gives minutes to players. It gives our the ability for Canadians to choose to stay in Canada. I wanted to. I was not able to. I used my passport to, to play abroad. But also the development of our youth teams in Spain right now is a great example. Like take the Japanese game out or look at Japan and it's those youth teams all graduating together now and the cohesiveness that you have on those senior teams. It's, it's impressive. And I think it's directly um, from their, their, um, their national leagues in those countries. So it's, it's pretty cool to watch every country's individual story around their leagues. Mm. Do you have any, um, I know you, you're not going to break news on, on the broadcast D, but um, you guys have three teams out of eight, right? Um, do you have announcements coming? Do we have more teams? Yes, announcements coming, although I don't have a date for those announcements. So they are coming, but I, I don't want to leave people the impression it's coming in the next two weeks. The mm-hmm. it's doing the announcement, want to plan the announcement, and it will take the time it takes. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely have... Uh, Guaranteed we'll have more announcements throughout the year as we sign teams. We've got, uh, yeah, lots of active conversations going in at least a dozen markets across this country. So ongoing. Um, Yeah, there'll be, I think as we get into early next year too, I think there'll be 
kind of some of the larger deals getting into place on that timeline too, or that'll probably be the time we're announcing. I know we've been a bit quiet. Eh? Sorry. It's kind of like, no, Oh, you have, you guys have been behind the scenes. That's, you know, all large documents being written. That's kind of boring and isn't exciting. Did you say documents or documents? What did I say? <laughs> did you say documents or no. documents? I said, it's like a sporty document. It's a document. No, not for women's sports, I guess. <laughs> what is the biggest thing? Maybe you've already said it, Dee, but that the average Canadian can do to help support you right now? That's a great question. Yeah, I think, in, yeah, do we give you something more meaningful to do? Like buy some merch, buy a season ticket. Um, I think, yeah, what you said, the, the, I think the things you can do. That was, uh, I think Billie Jean King said that before. How can you help? Help in the way you can help. Help in the way you want to help. Share that this thing is happening. Um, talk about it with your friends. Uh, if you hear some folks chatting about women's sport that sounds a bit outdated, um, let me know and I'll, I'll make sure you've got lots of facts to, to talk them through it. Um, yeah, those those are the things. There'll be, lot, there'll be more tangible things to do in the future, but... Also, if you're in a city that doesn't yet have a team and you are genuinely interested in, in making something happen, reach out because it's been folks like us that are moving things forward. And if you uh, want to own a team, reach out. If you want to sponsor the league or, or teams, reach out. Lots to do, lots of ways to, to help. But you can't and Where can people find you, Dee? Project 8, like the number 8, .ca is the website, and then there's a few links on there, and you can also follow us on social social Whoa. social media channels, uh, yeah. which fortunately I'm not running them, so they're way better now. Um, <laughs> were you at, at a certain point? Yeah, was- uh, yeah, <laughs> like at the beginning, like when we weren't tweeting or anything at all. That's that was you. <laughs> this game was good. That, was- that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, number you- eight moves Project- ball well. <laughs> that was. Was Project 8 because of a number of teams or because um, you were just trying to put a shout out to the number you wore for Canada? Uh, It was a little of both. (laughs) I think for for me, it was more we need eight teams and then it was a nice tie-in personally. I think for the the group of people, the team that were building around me, I think they they thought it was fun that I was number eight too, so it it didn't hurt. And did they know that or did you have to inform them? No, they knew. They knew. Okay, it. good. Sweet Ocho. Yeah. Should I call you? That was going to be the, uh, if we didn't go to Project 8, it was going to be Sweet Ocho. Yeah, just such a missed opportunity, I yeah. think, there, marketing-wise. But yeah. do you want to tell the story? It's not like a super long one. But I was out of the national team for a couple of years. I played from 98 until 2009 when I retired. And then I hurt my knee in 2002 and then just wasn't good enough coming back for that World Cup year and, and didn't make that World Cup team that did so well and finished fourth. And enter Diana Matheson, young upstart midfielder. Great with haircut. A tremendous haircut, <laughs> which we can dive into after. But what number did you wear? Yeah, 13 was available when I arrived. Uh, and as we know, players coming in don't get to choose any number they get one of the numbers that's available so I scooped up 13 and yeah wore that until until you came back and then I think someone else on the team must have told me that's Amy's number so well that's not the way I remember it I just remember you being very gracious and just it was sort of a non-issue until we had a game or a friendly or something and and you didn't you didn't make like like a big it wasn't ceremonial or anything but you just kind of said hey here's your number back and I really appreciated that. You should have seen yeah, it. Here's your number. Yeah, behind the scenes. It was like pulling teeth. <laughs> I got paid. You can come back here and take this number. That's this all fine. Fucking bitch. <laughs> no, I think she thinks she is. Timing is everything. And I think it helped that Christina Kiss, I think, had then just oh, left. Okay. So then eight was free. And I'm like, well, I could live with eight. So I think it helped that there was another number available. Right. Yeah. That I you were okay to taking. It would be a bit different conversation. Because <laughs> <laughs> actually, going back to your haircut, that was another one of my questions um, today. And it was um, like your your national team timeline, like remembering big moments, like memories that are, are meaningful to you, either marked by big events mm-hmm. and or haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> you really only had two. 
what haircuts? haircuts yeah it's true yeah there was the bad one coming in and then do, I do you have to describe the bad one d come on it was, it was like a short bowl cut no. i hated it in my face and then when i was in between high school and university i was growing it out but there was that one yeah probably one year when i first made the team that i still had that haircut where fortunately there aren't too too many photos oh, i know so mm-hmm. that's the saving grace but there's definitely a and the, then yeah, just the ponytail after that, ponytail with headband, done. But it was like a habit for a while. The grow out period was hard for you. I remember that. It was not. It was fine. Maybe that should be the first item of merch that Project 8 pushes out. It's like a beanie, but it's got like the Matheson bowl cut that's on top of it. It's like a hairpiece. Those will sell. To be yes, fair, they will sell out. Me, I, I played with my hair down in university. So oh my God. What? There have been a number of players at this Women's World Cup that have played with their hair down, and I'm just amazed by how they do it. Honestly, I did it because it used to annoy people. (laughs) This is like scarily on brand. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't even chew gum and exercise. So like people who can have their hair like in their face, like I have no idea. Oh, it was, it was a mess, but I don't want to just pick on D because I have, I have uh, there's a few, few photos out there that I I think might be around that I don't want to, I don't want that to come and haunt me because I haven't admitted to it. <laughs> um, I don't want to end this on a downer, but um, Rian and I kind of did a little bit of like a postmortem of, of Canada crashing out. And I know you guys watched that game together. So without being all doom and gloom, I kind of wanted to get your take on the game. Yeah, that was a that was a downer. Eh? I think um, I did a few interviews after that, and I think the way I was describing it was the like the two sides of it. One, Canada underperformed. I think I don't think any of the players were happy with their performance. I think Sophie summed it up well in the interview after the game. They played too much into Australia's game, too direct. Australia was the better team. The crowd was amazing and yeah, like not even close on the day and there's no excuses. And then the other side of it being, of course, the, the noise and work and energy with everything to do with, you know, the issues with Canada soccer and the lack of funding for the youth program and their program and the CBA, which on the given day might not matter, but definitely the cumulative energy and the weight that the players carry around. Like it's been a year doing that stuff. And it's, it's something I think in all our experience as athletes, like you don't notice it, but definitely it's, I think in hindsight, you can look back and say, yeah, a few, few performances suffered or a few more injuries happened. And it makes sense. Like all this other stuff was coming, was going on. I think I can look back at a few, games and periods of time in my career where I'm like, I didn't think I was being affected by that, but I was being affected by that. And it just, I think it just increases the odds that you're not going to be able to perform on the day when the margins are so, so thin. And we, I mean, I I don't think it helped. And we had a whole lot of people not perform on the day. And I think they're probably not completely unrelated. Yeah. I think a lot of people too don't realize, and it's not as an excuse, but how much that weighs on you as a player, whether you're part of that, that leadership group or whether you're just, you know, you're a, a younger player on the team, um, how you can't just very easily, whether, you know, you're, you're a professional athlete, it's your job to go out on that pitch and perform despite all the noise, despite everything that's going on. But it's not, it, it's easier said than done to just do that. Yeah, performance is tricky. And I think you want to maximize everything going into a game and declutter and all that. And I think the preparation wouldn't have been perfect in that respect. So yeah, it hurts mm-hmm. your chance. But it's yeah. also the, I'm sorry, but it will be the future realities. I hope it's not this situation again, but as women's soccer becomes more and more professional, there's always a storyline. There's always something to manage. And I agree that this is, I think Amy, you said it best, or it can be two things, right? That they didn't perform and there's stuff on their mind, but it is something that will be, it's the reality. And even now, like there's always, Norway's got their storyline going on, US storyline. There's always going to be something. Mm-hmm. Um, Nigeria, South Africa. <laughs> Jamaica, yeah. like yeah, crowdfunding, crowdfunding just to get there. So that's the part where we know it's true. You've got other things on your mind and you get distracted. You take a phone call on match day minus one that you know you shouldn't have taken. There's all these things they're going to look back on. 
Um, but it's also just a reality check, too, for these women that as the game gets more investment, more money, more opportunity, there is going to be more distraction, more scrutiny, more storylines that are just going to have to be handled. Um, so I just want to say that there because I I do hear people that like, they can't be excuses. I feel that as well. There is mm-hmm. a reality that they were handling other things, but there's also a performance problem. We all see that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And then has always come up. And then when you, I think everyone just hopes that those uh, distractions and heavy weights and all those aren't being self-inflicted by the, by, you know, our own organization, which was the case. Those are the ones you want to avoid, hopefully in the future. Yeah, if you can, and definitely heavier weights than the ones that you had at your disposal in the retirement home. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, I think I think um, Christine Sinclair, like her call to action, like her sort of parting words in to, to media, how you know there needs to be more investment in the youth. Uh, need to really fix what you guys were just saying about the federation that it, it shouldn't be issues at home that you have to deal with when you're away and trying to perform at a World Cup. But I think. Project 8 is not going to be, it it can't be the only solution. We need help from our own federation and from grassroots and from club soccer across our our country to to make this game, to grow this game properly, especially on the women's side. But I think Project 8 is such an important component of that. And um, thank you, Dee, for spearheading that. And, And hopefully we get as many people and as many hands and willing hands on board and then helping that along because I think it could be something great for the future of women's soccer in this country. And then like I'm, I'm one of many, we're all one of many. I think I was at the Can Soccer AGM for the first time as a member for the Women's Pro League this year and it was like the vast majority of the members, the provinces are all pushing for positive change and they want to be a part of the solution and they're asking hard questions to Canada soccer. So there's, there's so many people out there trying to help uh, soccer in Canada get in the right direction. And I think Jason DeVos is doing the work. He was handed a whole lot of problems coming in, which to his credit, he's working really hard to, to get up to speed and address as many as he can. But I think he's the the right person in there to, to try and tackle these big issues because there's a, we're in a tough spot. Like there's no easy solution right now. There's a, there's a revenue problem with Canada soccer and they don't have enough money to run their national teams. And it's, I know people frame it like the CBA becomes kind of polarizing and they're like, Oh, well the, the, of course they don't have money. The players are being greedy. Why should they get money regardless of the CBA? Like even if you pay the players nothing, we don't have enough revenues coming into Canada soccer to fund the organization and the national teams. And they've, so there's there's big problems there, and I know Jason's hard at work, and the operational staff is is understaffed and hard at work. So I think there's lots of people working on things, and I know that again the provinces have been amazing. So there's lots of people working on it. So hopefully, over the next year, we can start to see some positive changes. Yeah, for sure. Well, we know you're super busy, so thank you for joining us. You're welcome anytime. So yeah. tomorrow, same time. <laughs> Let me check. (laughs) (laughs) No, but um, fubotv.com slash footy prime for all your soccering needs. You can find one soccer on there for national team games and premier league starting on the 18th of August. And then tonybet.ca for all your betting. Rian always drops some good betting tips. Do you guys have any picks for the round of 16? Anything come to mind? Any. Is this specifically for a betting company? Do I no, get no? Just I want just, just, just no. You, no, you don't. But just just give people a, a direction to go in. Oh gosh. Um, what, what about Sweden? U.S. What are we thinking there? Sweden. I think Sweden yeah. too. I think everyone's thinking Sweden, which maybe worries me. I know. Yeah. I know. I think we get a, a significant bounce back performance from the U.S. Is it? Is it Colombia? Jamaica? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Aaron said yeah. Jamaica after the game. I think Colombia. I, yeah, we got to see more of Casado. Eh? We got it. Oh, we gotta I see know. Yeah. He's tremendous. Did you guys see, though? We need to see more of Lauren Donaldson, Jamaica's coach. Do you see his two? He said they were cartwheels. They weren't cartwheels. They were kind of like front rolls. Yeah. Um, I was worried about Lauren, worried about yeah. his neck and his general health. But 
Can we talk about U.S. for a second? It's interesting because everything I've heard coming out with the sweet, they knew the Sweden game. It's just, it had to happen, right? Is this like almost retribution narrative? Like we've, it's time to get them back. And I was thinking like, how many new players are on that team that don't have that history? Right. And it really hit home for me because U.S. has lost its shine. But for some reason with Canada, we're still like, oh my God, the U.S. because of this old history that we bring in. And I think that's so dangerous to the U.S. narrative that they're bringing in sort of this ancient ancient it's old history (laughs) these relics (laughs) there's so many new faces that don't have that sort of barring or that history with them so that that's the only alarm bell i have that u.s seems to be backing this retribution line or like payback (laughs) for history and i'm like that's not gonna get you far no and it doesn't work when you try to to manufacture that motivation right that can backfire on you pretty quick yeah, so I think there'll be a few more upsets around a 16 um, for sure. But uh, I do think we'll start getting a little bit leveling out. I think Spain will go through. I think England will go through, but it'll be a tight game. I Japan as well. I think, I think Japan, Japan continues, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm hoping Spain goes far. I would love to Spain make the final or win it. And I don't know. I feel like the Aussies are going to have a run now. Australia in the final. Oh, yeah. They're on a good side of the bracket. Australia's got a good one. That's true. I mean, they look good. We made them look good, but but credit to them. They they played very, very well. Yeah, I'm a little worried about how they're going to handle pressure. Like They've already had pressure, sorry, but as soon as a game gets really tight with the, the whole crowd, and we played in Canada 2015, that really is an extra thing that's, that's hard to prepare for. So, yeah. um, You know what? They get through the next game, let Kerr rest another week. Mm. Kerr's back. Come on. Yeah, I love that, though. That's something we didn't talk about, Rian, is like, oh, Sam Kerr, will she play? How many minutes will she feature? And, like, it, it, what percentage is she at? And she's in her puffer jacket, like, in warm-up. Like, there was no fucking way she was playing that game, right? Yeah. She was basically a mascot in the best way possible. Yeah. I think she's had a significant injury. And yeah. I very much we see her this tournament. You think that we see her? You don't think that we see her? I hope we do. Yes, I hope we do as well. But I agree with you that it's it's more serious than than it was, we were led to believe, for sure. Mm. Okay, friends. Thanks for the chat. Nice to see you guys. Yeah. Seriously, Dee, thanks for, thanks for showing up. We know how busy you are. Rian, I know you're not busy. <laughs> you're, you're good. I am good. <laughs> but thank you, guys. And Dee, uh, seriously, you're welcome anytime. But thanks, everybody, for listening. Oh and for the broadcast and keep broadening your horizon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at footy underscore prime and on Instagram at footy prime IG. Thanks guys. Keep broadening your horizons. Yep. <laughs>